I'm Cynthia Murphy. And I'm Georgia Bowers. And this is Delete My Browser History. Hello, hello. Welcome back. I'm going to start with saying if you have listened to anything and you've liked it, if you could rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you listen, that would be fantastic. Um, I always forget to say it. We've got an email and I know we've got Mm. like a few listeners who listen every single week. And I was wondering if they had anything that they felt like we should talk about. That's a good idea. Yeah. So our email is deletemypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with us on social media. But if there's anything that you've kind of come across or that you think we would enjoy covering, then please let us know and we'll have a look. Yeah. And do you know what? I'm going to do my first shout out. Ooh. Because I'm aware of a couple of listeners, three listeners who listen every time. Every time. So I would like to say hello to Leah and Kathy, who I work with. Hello. Hi. We call ourselves The Coven. There's three of us. We share an office. And um, lovely Jane as well, who always um, listens and shares too. So hello to both, all three of you. Thanks yeah. for your support. But um, please make sure you rate us. Yes. <laughs> Don't yes. just listen. You're not allowed to listen and not leave a five-star review. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, then, so there's Peter at Positively Horror. I know he listens every week. Mm. Um, and lovely Shelly Toy, who was on oh. a couple of weeks ago. So we did a an Instagram live with Shelly <laughs> a few days ago. Um, it'll be up on her Instagram. It was very funny. We just absolutely ripped apart a point horror uh, called The Diary. And Georgia did a stunning rendition of Point Horror as if written by Jane Austen. <laughs> oh, did you go? Did you listen to that? Yeah, I listened to it because <laughs> Get dropped and uh I think that's how George chose to fill the time <laughs> yeah I was just I was panicking it was brilliant but you know what I remember when I read that bit I remember thinking oh and yeah. what it feels like and I thought who says who says one saying that I know quite a few people who are posher than me who do say <laughs> I don't say it <laughs> not posh enough anyway so shout outs done Georgia your first yes list. Well, I'm very happy to see that you're wearing your vampire jumper, Cynthia. And I have on my, you can see my Lost Boys t-shirt. And I am not going to talk about vampires per se, because I thought if we ever have Amy McCaw on, then I assume that she'd be talking to us about vampires. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to steal it from her, but I am kind of talking about them in a roundabout way. And Talk about a rabbit hole. This is one of those things where you start looking and you just think, where has this led me? Is somebody going to come and knock on my door? (laughs) Um, So I'm obviously a big vampire fan and I am going to be talking to you today about what people call vampire lifestylers. So this isn't like vampires as we know them in fiction. This is people who live their lives as vampires. This is very interesting. Yeah, so I am thinking straight back to like those nineties TV shows, um, Jerry Springer type thing. Yes, yeah. Where someone- you'd, have, you'd have a goth sitting there saying, "I drink blood." Yeah, I just want to live my vampire lifestyle, and the mum's there, like yeah. in a flowery dress, going, "No, I just want you to be a good Christian." Yeah, and they're not normally they're not always goths either. Just yeah. FYI. Yeah. <laughs> So 
Yes, this, as I said, this took me down a bit of a rabbit hole. So vampire lifestylers, that can kind of include various uh, types of people. There's lots of different names. So just try and bear with me. So we're going to be looking at uh, also hematomania, clinical vampirism and Renfield syndrome. So we're going to talk about all of these things. And there's different types of lifestylers. This is from Wikipedia. So a sanguinarian is somebody who consumes the blood of others. Okay. A psychic vampire is someone who takes nourishment from the aura of somebody else. So a bit like, uh, so they take like the spiritual or psychological energy from somebody. A bit like, a, is that what incubus do and succubus? They sort of. Yeah, but they're like sexy energy, aren't they? Yes, sexy energy. Have you the watched best kind of energy. in the Shadows? Yes. Yes. So there's an energy vampire in that, isn't there? What's yeah. Colin. Colin. And it, it I can't just, remember. It just like sucks the life out of everyone by just boring them to like yeah. energy. <laughs> I'm sure he's called Colin. Um, yeah. So I know what you mean by that. Then we have hybrids who both consume blood, but also they consume psychic energy. So they do a bit of both. Then within this world of vampire lifestylers, we have blood donors who obviously allow people within that subculture to drink their blood or who allow them to take their energy, their psychic energy or their sexual energy or whatever we whatever energy they're after. But they are willing kind of victims, if you like. Yeah. And then you have blood fetishists who use blood as a stimulant stimulant or as a sexual fetish and then also role players or lifestylers and they acknowledge that they're human beings but they're role playing as vampires so it you might like dress up in vampire clothing and live a vampire lifestyle like sleep in a coffin or something but actually you probably like work at Sainsbury's and you know <laughs> so, and there's this role playing game called vampire the masquerade which apparently is, is really, really popular. And that's something that a lot of these vampire lifestylers participate in this, this role player game. So my, I mean, my head is just spinning. There's so, there's so much of it. I didn't know it was such a big thing. Yeah. It's very detailed. It is. So hematomania is an overwhelming desire for blood. So it's like, it, it's, you know, all consuming clinical vampirism, also known as Renfield syndrome, which was actually the term, the term was made up as a joke because of Renfield from Dracula. Oh, really? It, I did yeah. And it's an obsession with drinking blood. So it's like not an, a desire, but like a, I don't, an obsession. I think there's a slight difference, but apparently there's 50,000 people addicted to drinking blood have been uh, written about in psychiatric articles and things from 1892 to 2010. Oh, and nice. there's lo I know a, a lot. And there's lots of reasons why people might, it might be something that people like doing. So clinical vampirism starts with a key event in childhood that causes the experience of a blood injury or ingestion of blood to be exciting. And then throughout adolescence and adulthood, the consumption of blood kind of becomes a bit more uh you a bit more obsessive and it can stimulate a sense of a sense of power and control. And this chap, Richard Knoll, who is a bit of an expert in the area, he's the one that came up with this term, the Renfield syndrome. He speculated that it begins with autovampirism, which is when you're drinking your own blood. And then you progress to the consumption of blood in other creatures. 
Ooh. I know, weird, eh? So in so we've got a few cases here of people who kind of claim to be addicted to drinking blood or obsessed with drinking blood. So we have this is from the Sunday Morning Herald. I think it is Australian. Yes, in Melbourne, a man called Shane uh, Chartres Abbott. He was 28. He was gunned down in daylight when his he. I think he was he was going to a. I think he was going to a court case. Hold on, I've got a bit mixed up here. According to his neighbours, he was a polite young man. He lived quietly with his girlfriend, and his only quirk was that he wore a thick black overcoat, which he wore even in the summer. So that would me to me that would be alarm bells straight away. Yeah, that's a big quirk, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But by night he was a male prostitute. I've written gigolo in in uh, brackets. Is that the same thing? Do we think, or is that something else? No, I think I think a gigolo is. Would you say a sex worker now? Well, I know who we need to ask. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think? We need? <laughs> our our um, last podcast guest. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's true she'd know emma if you're listening um yeah so anyway yeah he was apparently a sex worker stroke gigolo and he once told one of his clients that he was a vampire that was older that he was older than the city of melbourne and he had to drink blood to survive and so this was this was all a court case and they heard that a 30 year old woman was found in a fetal position in the shower cubicle of a room in a hotel after she'd met up with him. She was half conscious. There was blood bubbling from her mouth and bruising on her neck and her jaw. And there was teeth marks in her thigh, on her thigh and a piece of her tongue had been ripped out as well. And she told them that the days before she was attacked, he told her he was a vampire and, um, she, she, but she, um, obviously hired him for his, uh, sex skills. And then, this is what happened to her and then this is the next thing they found her and she was she'd been basically attacked and he tried to drink her blood and he uh, he had told people apparently that he was a vampire but before any of this could get to court he ended up somebody um assassinated him on his way on his way to court one day why so they never assassinated like oh i don't know yeah well i do you know why i said assassinated because in my head he was part of something much bigger right okay and him saying that he was a vampire or or what have you i wonder whether there was somebody out there who was saying we don't want him to tell us tell everyone our secrets so they never got they never got to the bottom of what actually happened and whether he was a vampire or what or what. But it was all very out of character, apparently, what he did to this woman. Right. So, yeah. Oh, and also somebody said that he was looking to recruit people for a snuff movie. So this was I mean, this was a very weird case. There was obviously some underground stuff going on. Then we have John George Hay, who you might have heard of. He was also known as the acid bath murderer. Or maybe. He was an English serial killer and he was convicted for the murder of six people, but he claimed to have killed a lot more than that. He battered to death or shot his victims and then disposed of their bodies using acid. And then... Is it down in Bournemouth or somewhere? I don't think it was Bournemouth. I'll see if I can find out where he was. Oh, but he... Yeah, then he would... I mean, this was also that he could... It was fraud, basically. He got done for fraud in the end because he was he was... Um, doing their signatures, he'd kill them and then do their signatures to just get a load of money and sell all their stuff. There was a program about it called A is for Acid, but he pleaded insanity and he claimed that he drank blood from his victims. 
He said he'd, his dreams had been dominated by blood as a young boy. And when he was involved in a car accident, it, this was in 1944, he suffered a wound to his head, which bled into his mouth. He said of his dreams, I saw before me a forest of crucifixes, which gradually turned into trees. At first, there appeared to be dew or rain dripping from the branches. But as I approached, I realised it was blood. A man went from each tree catching the blood. And when the cup was full, he approached me. Drink, he said, but I was unable to move. And then apparently it was widely reported that when he was a kid, he used to go around saying that he wanted to be a vampire. I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> It's one thing wearing a cloak. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dear. Anyway, yeah, so he was a bit weird. And then in 19... This is quite recent. This is this is not... This is a nasty one. In 1996, there was a guy called Rod Ferrell who started a vampire cult in America, you'll be shocked to hear. And he was obsessed with the role-play game Vampire the Masquerade. So that's the one I mentioned earlier that these lifestylers like. And he believed that he was a 500-year-old vampire called Visago. He claimed he was part of a vampire cult and that other members were part of this unique brotherhood that he was running. The cult uh, created, it, they were called the Vampire Clan, and they used to meet at cemeteries and took part in rituals that involved cutting themselves and drinking each other's blood obviously, as you do. It all sounds very 90s so far. It's very 90s, very, very 90s. And they murdered one of the cult's members' parents when she wanted to run away with them to New Orleans. And from the report, I think they they did want to all run away together. And this was the plan. But I, I, I think the murder of the parents sort of, I don't think the group were aware that that was going to happen. And that was something that was on him, even though the rest of them were involved and i think that they did end up getting charged but he was he was kind of the mastermind behind it all and yeah it's just one of those weird ones where it's like yeah yeah i think i've heard of it it's mm. the 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 killing the family and then the all being like oh my god that rings the bell yeah. Um, yeah i must have listened to it covered somewhere else what mm. was he called rod ferrell his name was yeah rod ferrell yeah yeah good name <laughs> yeah rod not so much <laughs> no yeah i guess that's why he said that his name was actually visago <laughs> well, you rod isn't, rod, yeah, you? rod isn't very vampire like is it <laughs> and then so those are people who kind of claim that they have this obsession with drinking blood or they are vampires you know they believe that they're actually reincarnated or whatever you know 500 year old vampires and then just for balance i found this lovely article from the guardian about this guy called merticus who is a vampire lives his lives his life as a vampire but just seems like quite a nice guy really though so he says that we're people who you pass on the street and you'd likely socialize with on a daily basis and you would never know he's 37 and he is the founding member of atlanta's vampire alliance he's identified as a real vampire since 1997 so again i, I do think the 90s is when a lot of these people had an awakening yeah, about calling is he 37 now? He's 37 now, yeah. He's in 1997. Yeah, he would have been watching Buffy. He would have been 13, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's now, he's an antique dealer and he's married with two dogs. He says that lots of these vampires within the Alliance, they're just like, you know, scientists, lawyers, all sorts of people. He's not doing it because it's cool. 
he says real vampires don't care much for pop culture and most don't look like the stereotype so he says that most of them aren't goths and they don't like lifestylers so these people who kind of you know they call them fashion vampires or posers and i imagine that's like what's you know what spike would kind of um used to take the mickey out of angel because yeah. of the way he looked in his hair and everything yeah. so i think that that's how he would kind of view them and do you remember that episode of buffy it's called lie to me i think season two yeah and he's when called blue is he called billy fordham he's got a brain tumor hasn't he yes yeah yeah and mm. i you know i kind of get it like mm. if it was a choice that was offered rather than dying yeah 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 it's an interesting one like bella in twilight exactly exactly yes, i actually just that. wrote down that um these vampire people probably hate twilight don't they, they oh, probably god. Hate Edward Cullen. oh god yeah mm. so a little bit about drinking blood drinking human blood is not advisable obviously because it carries a range of diseases but also lots and lots of iron is really really bad for you so these vampires um say that they they say that they have hematomania which is the craving to drink blood it's not voluntary and it's something that they're born with so they just have to find a way to manage it safely it's described the cravings described as an intense thirst-like sensation it's like an addiction with withdrawal symptoms so that if they don't actually get the blood then they start to feel physically feel it physically that is crazy yeah, they often, because I think because of the risks involved with drinking human blood, it says that animal blood or rare steaks can be a substitute. But for most vampires, they would rather have fresh blood. But they just tend to drink like a teaspoon, a few teaspoons a week. And that seems to keep them going along with a normal diet. <laughs> so they, I guess they include it like with their, you know, their five fruit and veg a day. Yeah, like a teaspoon of manuka honey in the morning. Yeah, they probably sprinkle it on their porridge. Oh, wow. Not all of them drink blood. Uh, um, this is what we were talking about earlier. Part of the community, they... Um, are these that so they have the sanguinarians who drink blood and then they have the psychic or the energy vampires who who drain the life force of people and it's he says that this community has been around for like 30 years or longer than that but they've only just sort of started coming out and yeah well you know what it really, do you remember like back in the early days of the internet you were weird like me, so I bet you ended up on the same websites that were like magic spells and Wicca and just yeah. anything that I'd seen on Buffy, basically. Um, yeah. reminds me of those early days websites, and I can imagine like a little vampire one and how it would have been the catalyst for all these like-minded people actually finding each other. Because how would they find yeah. beforehand? I know, exactly. It's It's like when we were talking about the erotica with emma and it's like how did people how did people share this stuff before the internet exactly like <laughs> when do you take the chance to go up to someone and be like hey uh yeah you want to share it? i i did yeah i looked it's funny you say that about the website because i did have a look at the atlanta's vampire alliance website and they seem i think it was a kind of you know black background yeah you can imagine, can't you really like small text like font yeah but they have all of these it seems like quite a respectful group they're like you know we all 
we're all part of this and we only do what you know what is expected and what we have levels of um involvement and you don't force people to do anything and you know we don't believe in hurting animals and all that sort of stuff so there's obviously been a lot of thought and stuff go into it because yeah. i suppose if people don't understand it they want to make it clear that they're not hurting anybody and they don't actually you know leap on people in alleyways and suck their blood it's all done in a safe environment and i think they have medical professionals doing you know if they are going to drink blood they'll have a medical professional drawing the blood and then making sure and everybody has you know tests and everything to make sure it's or everybody involved how do you get that job like what i know do you reply to as a you know trainee doctor or something and then yeah yeah and it reminds me of his book it reminds me of mina and the undead yeah isn't it yeah yeah and it uh, there's always that part of you that when you read about these things it's a bit like you know going and doing a zombie experience or whatever and you're like what if you did apply for a job with the vampire alliance as the person who oversees the blood taking and all that sort of stuff for these people who you know apparently live as vampires and then once you're in there you realize that it's all real and actually you're you you know now you're in there you can't get out and you're part of it so but he just this guy just just describes it as a non-conventional life non-conventional lifestyle which i think is a good way to describe it yeah i wonder what his partner makes of it i wonder if they're maybe they met at the alliance maybe Mm. but anyway yeah so there you go you have vampire lifestylers that was really interesting Mm. it's scary though it is a bit scary and like i said it made me feel some of when i was reading about some of it i was a bit like "Mm." yeah a bit stomach turning yeah okay what have you got for us i am gonna tell you i was gonna tell you about paranormal games oh because i have got a book out in january called the midnight game and it's based on like a paranormal creepypasta game but there are so many of them that I had to narrow it down to one. So I've chosen one that's not in my book because it's got a bit of a true crime link as well. So I'm going to tell you about the elevator game. Mm. Have you heard of it? No. Oh, it's... it's. Does it, it involve an elevator? It does. And it doesn't sound like it should be creepy, but it really is. So these are like a type of creepypasta. So for anyone who's not listened to the creepypasta episode, it's basically internet folklore. And it's when a story gets repeated over and over, but changed slightly, a bit like the game Telephone. Um, And a lot of them just come from, like the the original story can be found somewhere on 4chan or on the internet or creepypasta.com. So paranormal games, some people say they're a type of creepypasta. Some people say they are ancient rituals. So for some examples... The Midnight Game, which my new book is based on, that's apparently a pagan ritual that would punish a wrongdoer. Um, I can't find any evidence that that is true, but that's Mm. what some people have said. Maybe it makes it sound a bit more interesting. I don't know. Uh, There are some other things that are in the book, like One Man Hide and Seek. So One Man Hide and Seek, I've tried to write it in quite 
like in a bit of a light-hearted way in the book, but it's really, it's scary. So what you do, you turn off all the lights in your house and you get like a stuffed toy and you cut it open and you take all the stuffing out and then you fill it with rice and then you bind it up with red thread and then you fill your bathtub with water and you submerge this little toy. So apparently the rice is there to attract spirits and the the red thread is to bind them. So you submerge it and then you run and hide. Well, you say like, I'm going to come and get you. I'm it. I'm going to get you. And then you run off. You count and then you come back and it should still be in the tub. But then you snip the red thread. So it releases any spirit that might be in there. And then you have to go and hide and Mm. it might come after you. Um, And then in the end, you've got to like rip it all open again. And I don't know why. I have no idea why you would play it. And you've got to do it on your own. But that's like an example of these kind of games. They're all very thrill seekery. There's no real payoff. They're all scary. But why why a soft toy a stuffed toy? That's really weird. It's just I think it just lends to the creep element, doesn't it? Can you imagine like a little stuffed teddy bear that had been like ripped open and sewn back up, like coming after you? <laughs> it would yeah. be I've called my teddy bear in um the midnight game. I named him Lil Horror Goblin because <laughs> I just think it sounds really funny. And I just yeah. did like one of those little sack voodoo dolls. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. So I could maybe merchandise it in the future. <laughs> so I've got these little snippets of games. Like there's one called the 11 mile game where you get in a car and you go driving somewhere and, and you end up somewhere else and something happens every mile but that one, you meant to get something at the end of it. You meant to like have a wish granted or something. So I kind of mm. see why you would do that a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, some of the other ones, just Thrill Seeker edition. So this one, the elevator game, Thrill Seeker, like there's no there's no real reason to do it. There is a website called uh, theghostinmymachine.com and it's where I first read a lot about these kind of ritual games. So a lot of the information I got from my book was from there and they've published their own little book of stories. So I did a lot of research on there. So the elevator game, also known as the elevator ritual, elevator to another world or elevator to hell, seems to have originated in an East Asian country. And there's no mentions in English online from before 2014. The person who runs ghostinmymachine.com is really good at updating things that become popular and kind of honing their research. So the original thing that they wrote about it They've updated it since and said, right, so I found out how I would go about researching something in Japanese or researching something in Korean. So then the earliest thing they've got is from uh, November the 22nd, 2008 is the first kind of mention that is found of the elevator game online. So the premise of it is that you visit various floors of a 10 story building you do it in a certain order and then you finally end up in another world so like i said the earliest mention is 2008 japan um, and it possibly originates from uh there was a series of accidents in june 2006 and the first one was an elevator in the minato ward of tokyo malfunctioned and it started to ascend when it wasn't supposed to and the doors were still open um, and it caused the death of a 16 year old oh gosh so there was an investigation and it showed that there were several several faulty elevators from the same company or like the same mate and the, there had been a couple more accidents. So within this time frame, there'd been all of these different things. And 
in the elevator game, a sign of like success that you're winning the game is that the elevator will go up on its own when you haven't asked it to. I think it's just this person on Ghost in the Machine who's kind of put those things together and said this could, because folklore tends to come from like a tragedy, doesn't it? Mm. And it says, makes sense that the elevator game would develop as an urban legend because anxiety remained high, even though the elevators were replaced and urban legends often help us cope with tragedies. So it could yeah. have just been a story that originated. Yeah. How do you play the elevator game? So disclaimer, I do not suggest that you play. I don't think it's real, but I don't have any urge whatsoever to find out if it is. No. Players, you can only have one. So it's just you. Requirements. You need a building with at least 10 stories um, and it needs to have a working elevator on all of those 10 stories. Instructions. So you can start it whenever you want. Doesn't matter if it's day or night, but you have got to go to the building, you enter and you go straight to the elevator. So you call the elevator or the lift for those of us in England, but you do not use the down button. If you press the down button, you have to like run and go away. So you've got to press the up button. When the doors open, you have, you've got to start on the first floor. You've got to be alone. And if anyone else is in the elevator, you can't play. So you've got to start all over again. If the elevator is empty, you get in and you press the button for the fourth floor. Right. That was the first thing that was interesting for me. Because when I lived in uh, Hong Kong, in China, four is an unlucky number. And in Mm. buildings, there won't be a fourth floor. So I wondered if it was the same in Japan, and it is. So I had a, I looked it up, and it's because the word for the number four sounds like the word for death. Oh. It was bad luck, and apparently there's two ways to say four, so most people say it the other way. So mm. I just found it interesting that it would start with, like, this fourth floor, if that's meant to be unlucky. So you get in, you go up to the fourth floor, and you've got to stay in the lift, and you've got to press for the second floor. And when you get to the second floor, you've got to press for the sixth floor. When you get to the sixth floor, you have to press for the second floor. So you're all over the place. Mm. If you can get through all this without anybody else getting in as well. You get back to the second floor, you press the 10th floor. When you get to the 10th floor, you press the fifth floor. So you're just in there pressing buttons. When you reach the fifth floor, a young woman may enter. Mm. Do not look at or speak to her. Oh, my goodness. What she seems. I just have this image of like... This like long haired, like white eyed, <laughs> like this, <Yeah>. like <laughs> so she is not what she seems. But you do not get out. So she gets in with you. You've just got oh, to oh, but you're not allowed to get out. Allowed to get out. Then you press the first floor. Um, if anyone else apart from a young woman gets in on that floor, you've got to terminate the game immediately. So you've got to go back. You are going to press the first floor. And one of two things are going to happen. Either it will descend to the first floor, in which case the ritual has failed. Do not proceed. Do not look back. Do not speak. Exit as soon as the doors open. Leave. Get out of there. Mm. If that doesn't happen, the other option will be that the lift will ascend on its own. So even though you've pressed the first floor, you're on the fifth floor and it will take you up to the 10th floor. That means that the ritual has succeeded. And I was thinking, like, is this girl still in the lift? Like, what's mm. she? Did she get in? Did she not get in? So it says, this is your last chance to back out. You can cancel by pressing the button for any floor except one or ten. So if you just hit another button, it ends. Um, and you must cancel before it reaches the ninth floor. So, like, you're going up and up and up. And up. You've got to decide. 
So on the 10th floor, you decide whether you exit or remain. If you exit and the woman is still there, so potentially this creepy woman's been in the elevator with you like the entire time. Creepy young woman. Yeah. She might ask you where you're going. (laughs) Do not answer. Do not look at her and leave without comment. Like that would be so hard for so many British people. (laughs) You would feel so rude. (laughs) Well, I just, oh, she's the scariest bit of it for me. Mm. So if you get off, if you exit, you are in another world. You must not lose sight of the elevator. And there'll be a couple of things that will tell you that it's the other world. Um, You'll be the only person there. And if you can see a window, there might be a red cross out in the distance. A red cross? Yeah, which is creepy and there'll be no lights on anywhere so you've gone up to a place with no lights on you don't have to get out i don't know why you would do all this and then not get out especially if the creepy lady is in the lift still in there with you yeah um but you've got to make a return trip if you want to to go back to your own world so if you didn't exit just press one until it starts to go down if it doesn't go down just keep pressing one until it moves exit don't look back etc all the same stuff so don't make eye contact don't look back don't talk to anybody just go if you did exit you've got to make sure you use the same elevator and you've got to get in and press the fourth floor so again i thought that was interesting starting at the fourth floor again and you've got to do the whole order that you did first all over again how are you supposed to remember all of this no no you must have to have it written down it says, so you've got to do it all in the same order. And then when it starts to go up to the 10th floor again, you've got to cancel it before it reaches the ninth floor. And that's how you like stop the game. Mm. It says, exit, get out of the lift, don't talk to anyone. But if any small details appear to be off, no matter how small, I don't know, thinking like, I don't know if you get what, off. in the lift? When you're getting out. So when right. you, how would you know though? I, I don't know. The floor is a different colour, or is there a different person behind a desk, or does it seem like it's nighttime? Yeah, or like something's upside down. Yeah, so anything that's a bit off, you do not exit. You've got to repeat the entire thing again. I could just imagine getting mm. in and you would read into absolutely every little thing and you would just end up yeah. going round over and over. And potentially this bird is still in there. Yeah. It just says that she gets out and it doesn't say she disappears. So you've just got this creepy like woman like the girl from the ring stood in the corner. Mm. Don't exit until you're 100% sure that you are back in your own world. If not... You might never get home. <laughs> that is the elevator game. Don't know why you would play. Very strange. Um, but it takes us on to a true crime case of a girl called Elisa Lam. You ever heard of that one? No. So Elisa Lam, she was, I think she was Cantonese descent. She was born in Vancouver. So her Cantonese name was Lam Ho Yi. Uh, And in January 2013, she was 21. She had bipolar and depression and she took medication for both. And she used to keep loads of blogs online. So she would talk about like her diagnosis, but then she would post loads of fashion pictures and travel pictures and stuff. So she was just kind of a normal 21-year-old. So in January 2013, she left for a solo trip to California. 
she rang her parents every single day. She was traveling around California. And on the 26th of January, she made a reservation at a place called the Stay on Main, which was formerly the Cecil Hotel. You heard of the Cecil? Yeah, I've heard of the Cecil Hotel. So that's in, um, it's either on or near Skid Row in Los Angeles. Mm. Skid Row is where mm. a lot of homeless people live in tents and things. And yeah, it's got a, quite a bad reputation. Um, but she had booked to stay in this hotel. It was cheap. She was going to stay there from the 28th to the 31st of January. And she had booked a shared room. So she got there, checked in. All that was fine. And then she was actually moved to a single room because her roommates complained about her erratic behaviour. So okay. whatever she was doing and whether it was linked to any of her kind of, you know, issues, whether she wasn't taking medication, I don't know. So she was just moved to this single room. They were both on the fifth floor. Um, on the 31st, she went out. She was seen at a local bookstore. Apparently had like quite a nice normal chat with one of the concierges. So she was seen and people said she was definitely there on the 31st. But she should have checked out on the 20, uh, 31st and she didn't. She just vanished. Stuff was there. She just disappeared. But I think where it is in like the history of the hotel. They just assumed that. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't yeah. think all. I think they just thought she disappeared. Hmm. So it took about a week before the police got hold of any footage from the hotel. So obviously she had spoke to her parents every day. They reported her missing quite quickly. When the police got hold of the footage, there was a piece of footage from the 1st of February and it was four minutes long and it was from the inside of an elevator in the hotel. So 1st of February, she should have checked out the day before. Mm -hmm. So even if it's like just past midnight, she still should have already checked out, I think. Yeah. Um, unless she was checking out on the first and it's just not been written well. <laughs> um, so four minutes long, it's inside an elevator and it shows Elisa behaving quite strangely. When she's in there, she's crouching down. She's like pushing multiple buttons. There's bits where she'll like peek out around the corner when it stops somewhere, she'll step out, she'll get back in, she'll press more buttons, gestures with her arms. Someone said she stands in the hallway and gestures her arms almost like she's stroking a really tall dog. Oh, like, my goodness. All these things. Um, and finally, she steps out and leaves. And mm. the 30 seconds later, the doors close. So the doors just stay there open, but th which is a long time for a lift. Not if there's somebody else in the lift well, moving so around. It doesn't seem like there's anybody else in the lift. Mm, not um, that we can see. Well, exactly. So the doors then close and reopen loads and loads of times, but it's unclear from the video whether it's on different floors because she's pressed so many buttons or whether it's just closing and opening like something's stuck. Mm. So that's not clear. So... Elisa, that was it. That was the last she was ever seen. Um, she was missing for 19 days because then on February the 19th, one of the maintenance men was getting multiple complaints in the hotel about how the water pressure was low in the showers and there was an odd taste in the water. Uh... He went up to the roof 
so they've put in a list of like how how you get to the roof and I've included it because it's not easy you have to take the elevator to the 15th floor then you've got to take a staircase to the roof then you've got to turn off the roof alarm then you've got to climb onto a platform where there are four water tanks and then you've got to climb a ladder and access the hatch to get into the water tank but when he gets there one of the tanks is open and Elisa is inside Oh, my goodness. She had no clothes. Her phone was missing. um, And none of those things were ever recovered. But uh, a coroner ruled it accidental drowning. Oh, my goodness. She had medication in a system that suggests that she was taking her normal medicine. So her condition should have been managed. Mm. A small amount of alcohol, but like she'd had a drink. Um, So whether that counteracted the medicine or something like that. Possibly, yeah. But because the hotel has got such a bad history of suicides, like a lot of people go there to end their life. She was ruled as an accidental drowning, possible suicide. And even though her family don't agree, it's never been reopened or solved. So the way the elevator game comes into it is, of course, Reddit Mm. went crazy saying that's what she was doing. She was playing the elevator game before she died. And, you know, she got off in the wrong place and this happened. Which, I mean, I get it as a story. It's a little bit offensive, isn't it, to the poor girl who, like, lost her life and and her family. Um, but you can see how, like, creepy pasta and internet rumour works, can't you? You can see well, how, like, fed into a future story somewhere along the way. Yeah. How, how old was she when she when all this happened? 21. Hmm. So it just seems a very yeah, the, the video footage of her in the elevator. That's that, very, I've seen it. It's strange. Yeah. It's um she almost looks like she's playing with somebody. Mm. Which is quite creepy. Mm. Um but then I mean bipolar, but I I don't think she was schizophrenic or anything. I don't think, you know. She was having like hallucinations. So, and no drugs were found in a system that would cause. No. Saying that, if it was ruled an accidental drowning, but then all of her stuff is made, like, how, where are her clothes? And how the hell did she get up there by herself? Yeah, turning an alarm, like not notifying anybody, turning an alarm off and stuff. And, mm. you know, she wasn't naked in the lift, but then she's. Yeah. Where are the clothes gone? They've got to be somewhere. Mm. someone's taken them so yeah there is there's a netflix documentary about it which i watched a long time ago so if you're more interested you can go and have a look but yeah poor elisa it's i think it's more it, it more shows what the area is like and renowned for and it's just been I, I think they just like to get rid of people that they don't deem worthy for society in that area yeah. And then they don't, yeah, they don't have to, they won't put any resources into finding any of these people. They just, that's yeah. how they explain it away. It's just a bad area and these things happen to people that go missing all the time. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, she she was old enough to know this and obviously she went there on purpose to, Yeah. you know, her family don't believe it. Her family don't believe that she would have died by suicide. They just don't. No. Yeah. So, yeah, poor Elisa. So, a creepy one that then ends on a bit of a sad note, but got the stomach for it. Watch the video because it is 
It is strange. Poor girl. Weird. There you go. Why are these games always, they are they normally played on by yourself? A lot of them are. So mm-hmm. there's like a whole plot point in the Midnight game where she's looking for a game to play and people mm. keep suggesting them. And it's only when they get to the Midnight game that it's like, oh, more than one player can play. And Yeah. Because it's either one or two. Or like it can be two people, but the other person has to sit outside and like be on guard and make sure you wake mm. up at the same time and stuff. Do you know what it reminds me of? Those old, really old, like if you like cut an apple in half and then throw the pips on the floor yeah. and look in the mirror. I was talking to my husband about this on Halloween. I asked him, mm. did he ever do any of those weird things? Because I remember my mum telling me that if you peeled an apple, all in one go and then threw it over your shoulder it would show you the initial of the person you were going to marry and Luke went and what was the initial and I was like well probably an S because it was a big curly (laughs) like or an O or a C yeah it would have been something (laughs) curly and but yeah I remember that I've just read an Agatha Christie actually my first ever Agatha Christie book Ah. Halloween party and they do bits of those games where like the girls Mm -hmm. look into a mirror and uh, yeah. but he's fixed it so there's like a faded photograph behind it if they tilt yeah. it angle they see their husband and future husband I wonder what they're called all those old things don't know there must, there must be a name for them yeah that can feel a podcast coming on mm. yeah definitely they're definitely all like pagan things mm. yeah what are you looking at you just looked around then like someone had knocked I thought someone was going to come through the door. Oh. My future husband, I thought it was. Yeah. These initial definitely wouldn't have made it out of a piece of peeled apple, would it? No, definitely not. It was always apple as well, wasn't it? Yeah. I think there was probably just apples to be gotten rid of, wasn't there? In the- yeah. Yeah. It was obviously, yeah, like a... Um, a harvesty, harvesty time of year to do stuff like that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, that was a really creepy one. Yeah, it was. I was researching it really early this morning, so it's still mm. a little bit dark, and I was a bit like, oh, it's, it's mm. the girl, the girl who gets in and just stands, and you're not allowed to, like, look or turn around or... It's always, it's always a girl, isn't it? It is always a girl. And I think because it originates in Japan, you do imagine like the ring or the grudge, yeah. you know, those yeah. scary like Japanese yeah. horrors. Oh, right. There we go. That was a nice one. <laughs> it was. I'm glad I don't walk in, work in any 10-storey buildings. I know, I know. I'm a bit funny about lifts anyway. Mm. I don't mind them, but I only stay in them for the amount of time needed, like... I'm not about to. That is necessary. Yeah. Mm. I would need a snack. It would get confusing as well because we call the ground floor the ground floor and yeah, in the it's the first floor. So we get it all wrong. In Asia, it's the first floor as well. So, right. yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. So, would we only mm. go to the ninth floor? Yeah, I guess so. Mm. Do you know what it reminds me of? Sorry, I just keep referencing Buffy and Angel. But do you remember the Wolfram and Hart offices, the original ones? They were There was one, I think it was at the end of season one, where like the big boss takes Angel right down to the basement and yeah. then it opens up and it... I don't think I've seen and it. Then it. No, 
Well, it wasn't. I wasn't an angel. I think no. I was a couple, but no. Yeah. Wasn't. Buffy was my girl. Didn't need oh, to yeah. follow him around. But I think it was, I think, was it hell? It just became apparent that the office uh-huh. was like built on top of hell. And that's everywhere yeah. in Buffy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Kind of PSP, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's right. it. Well, we'll right. wrap up. Hopefully, I won't be looking like I've just died next time. <laughs> um, <laughs> bring some blood and perk my cheeks up. Yeah, good idea. Good yeah. idea. Uh, don't forget to get in touch with us if you've got anything. Or sometimes, like, if we say something that you think, oh, why don't you do that? You've obviously looked yeah. into it a little bit already. If you want more information, yeah, let us know. I'd love to do some. I'd love somebody else to tell me what to do for a while. <laughs> that would be quite yeah, nice. Yeah, me too. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. Okay, right. We'll see Love you next week. All right, bye. Browser history deleted.